Way back? <laughs> yeah, way back. Way back. Way back. All four years ago, Mr. 28-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to be an architect. And then I found out those guys, they really go through some turmoil with the economy. And I was like, okay, I'll be an engineer. And so then when I was an engineer, it just seemed logical to go to manufacturing. There's a number of lanes to go to. That one looked, and I'm just so damn happy I've been there. I mean, it's, it's manufacturing's where it's at. It's, it's where the action is. I mean, people you. Are Did you ever worry you'd have to move in, to China? Huh? Did you ever worry you'd have to move yourself to China? No. No, never, never worried about that. I went through the spell where people said, man, good luck finding something. All the manufacturing's left this country. And I'm like, no, it, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Wow. You're listening to the news. And, and then, of course, a lot did leave. But then, as we all know, over the last, whatever, eight or 10 years or something like that, it's really been coming back. And it That's just awesome. Keeps going. Yeah. So. See, I've, been, I've also been hearing that from... Uh, some of the leaders in the world lately that there's a there's a big flux of manufacturing that's coming back. So um, what what was what was so stable in the manufacturing industry that made you so certain? Like, man, this is this is huge here. What what were we doing? What were we manufacturing here in the U.S. that that you know is never leaving? There there wasn't it wasn't that kind of an attraction. I mean. The first off, when I declared I was going to be an engineer, my dad said, well, what do you want to do that for? All they do is get laid off. And I mean, and they do. It happens. It's it's happened more than once. And I know people that it's happened to more than once. But it's it's the, I would tell you now, looking in retrospect, what's so damn cool about manufacturing? People go to work every day. And at the end of the day, they can look over there and say, I made all that stuff. And you go, you go to a lot of other types of businesses and they go, well, I moved a lot of paper or I did a lot of stuff on my computer, or I talked to a lot of people. They can't see it, but the people that work in manufacturing, they're creating. It's happening right in front of them. And at the end of the day, it's on a truck and it's leaving uh, kind of thing. So it's That's real. Awesome. I got I to gotta clarify my question too. What, what areas of manufacturing have been super stable in the United States? From an industry I mean, sure perspective, a long list, but yeah, from an industry perspective, I'm I'm pretty layman's when it comes to manufacturing. Yeah, there's, there's, there's just a lot. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to start to answer that question yet because I've been somebody who has not been somebody who went to a company and stayed there forever in that industry. I've worked at in a variety of industries, a, a couple of times at the huge corporate conglomerates, but many times at the medium or, the, or certainly the small family-owned, PE-owned manufacturing companies in arguably niche industries. What are and some of these products, if you could rattle some off? What are some of the ones that you went through? So uh, I've done med device, uh, done some of that. That's I call it bombs, and, bombs right. and bullets. That's like millions of products by itself. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it, it is, really. And that stuff was arguably with catheters and stents in your heart and things like that. Um, I, I call it bombs and bullets. When I work with a defense contractor, we got to build that stuff right so we can protect this country. That was very early on. I've been in one that made window and door components, you know, the, the window jams and the casings and all that kind of stuff. I've been at one that's made squeegees and components that go on commercial floor cleaning equipment. So the stuff that runs up and down the hallways in the building and, you know, somebody's driving around. Um, I've been at, uh, no, I'm drawing a book. Companies did a lot of stuff where components go in the big bridge crane assemblies 
that was always funny. People said, do you have any sample product you can show me? And I'd say, sure, back a 40-foot flatbed up and we'll load one up for you because it was <laughs> big, big, heavy steel stuff. Uh, a company that made punch press tooling. Um, you know, people buy the punch presses. They need the tools. It's like the drill bits that go in your drill, right? So the, so the, the, the tooling for that, um, window door components, med device. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a lot of it right there, but it's all so different you were, industries. You were Tony Stark at one point. <laughs> all right. Welcome in to vision pros live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. What's up and welcome into another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Bruce Rolls on today. Uh, we got an OG of the manufacturing industry. Bruce may not know that term, but an original gangster from the manufacturing industry who has such a depth of, of knowledge from the years that he spent in the business that this, this is a type of person that entrepreneurs need to be sitting down with entrepreneurs of all industries and understanding the perspective and the decades of his wisdom. I honor that. I'm, I just, I, fi I find it sacred when you can crack open the mind of somebody who has just as much depth of background as he has in economy. So we're going to be talking about operational leadership. We're going to be talking about manufacturing and I'll throw some curveballs in there as well, of course. Um, then there's the, uh, the sponsors before we dive in. So we got cold click. ColdClick is what we use for our LinkedIn automation. It's a big part of our top of funnel distribution plan. By the way, um, I, I talk about this all the time. I could probably even put Facebook as a sponsor and Facebook ads. I could, you know, a lot of different things that we use for distribution. My virtual assistants who help us with that. There's, there's a lot of mechanisms. You don't want your eggs in one basket, typically. At least, uh, I think that's a good principle to follow. But with that said, this is the one I, I like to share with our audience frequently because I, I like promoting Art Hoffman. Um, he, he, you know, he's not Mark Zuckerberg, um, but he is a wonderful man who has, has done a lot to make sure to help our business with our growth. So with LinkedIn automation, the point is not to be pesky to as many people as possible. It's to intrigue and attract as many people as possible so that the right people who are in the right position can move forward and say, hey, you know what? I kind of need that. Or, hey, yeah, I want to work together on that. Um, and then that flows really well. You got to get your messaging right for it. Number two is Simply Fast Websites. Came across this uh, this program from Shane Michael. And I was like, man, if I was in a position where I was starting over or I, I didn't have a website and I was brand new to the game, this would have saved me hundreds of hours, possibly, I think thousands of hours, in addition to making sure that I, you know, somebody could just set me down and said, Jackson, don't focus on your website, focus on building your productivity for your business model and talking to people. Let somebody like Shane just do the website for 179 bucks and give him the information he needs and just forget about it for a while. Move forward with the profitable aspects of your business. Busy is broke, my friends, getting stuck playing with websites. It's not the end all solution. My, oh, I don't know, third or fourth website, I launched a web development company. This is a, this is a great story, by the way. jcaldigital.com. You can check it out. That was my original agency after several different companies. It wasn't even finished. If you scrolled down, you would have seen, seen header one, header two, header three. I signed five website clients 
with a unfinished website myself. Why? Because I had a background in web development and I had other clients to showcase. But what it proved to me is you don't have to be perfect to win. You have to be great at what you do. You have to be a great communicator. You have to be willing to serve and get the work done. And if you show up with that type of ambition, tenacity, diligence, then you have a very good shot at winning contracts and helping people move forward their projects. They really don't care about you. They care about what you're able to do to serve and help them when you're a stranger knocking on their doors. So um, I digress from that, but best wishes to all of you who are getting started in the entrepreneurial space. Make wise decisions, be efficient with your time. The Water Project. We are so blessed and lucky to have access to this um, in most of most of our houses. I don't think there's very many people this scene who don't have quick and easy access to water. I love promoting the water project. They've got they're helping millions of people. Well, there's millions of people who need help. They help as many people as we help fund them to help. And what's really cool is they they actually let you pick the community that you're providing the uh, the money to. And so if you don't have the money to to give right now, I know COVID economics has been hard on people, then make sure that that you share this with people. That's an opportunity to, to hopefully give back. Maybe your cousin or your relative ends up giving $10,000. You never know. But what's really cool is if you give to this, you get to see the outcome of the project because they track it with photos, um, you know, and they, they showcase what they built in the community and area. And having a water well or a sand dam that create, you know, they teach you about how this process works too, which is kind of cool. Um, but there's there's just so many people in this world to help. So if you can think of a cause that you feel in your heart is is more important or more effective, do me a favor and just drop that in the comments. We're not here to fight about it. We're here to give. We're here to help. Um, and we would love to see your participation in that. So without further ado, I'm going to be bringing Bruce on. Let me uh, let me go to his page real quick so you can kind of see that right before I bring him on stage. And there we go. So here's Bruce. He's got bmrbusop.com. Okay. And this web, bmrbusop, it'll be in the show notes. You're welcome to, to check it out there. So fractional COO, director, GM, and leveraging leadership experience in manufacturing, actually like getting into the nitty gritty with the business that needs manufacturing support. We'll see what areas he helps with beyond that. I'll get his take on who should be listening. Without further ado, Bruce, welcome to Vision Pros Live. Good morning. Glad to be here. Happy to have you, man. Um, so as, as I mentioned right there, Bruce, who, who do you feel should be listening right now? Um, and, and why beyond the, the 30 years of experience? What are some of the nuts and bolts of why they should be listening? Um, the who is, I guess, anybody that's, either interested in how some of this uh, independent space works with the kind of opportunities that are there for them. And then at the other side of that, obviously, are the the small and medium-sized business owners, um, CEOs, presidents, those sorts of people. Um, there's a real um, transformation going on out there in terms of the kinds of resources that are available to companies that are small in size that never were available before. Um, an example is there's been there's been financial folks out there that help small companies with their cash flow and all those sorts of things. But when you transition into what's going on, I, I only know a handful of people doing what I'm doing, which provides that operations leadership to small manufacturing companies. Be before this transformation that's going on out there happened, those small companies couldn't get to people like me. 
they couldn't afford them and or there wasn't enough work to justify bringing them on. And they, they had to wait until their company grew to that size. Well, the way things are working now in, the, in, in this transformation that's happening, these small companies now have access to people like me that are uh, senior level, uh, executive level uh, people in literally every discipline, whether it's finance or marketing or HR or, or operations, to be able to come in and help them at a price that they can afford and work on that content they have. It might only be a day or two a week. And now they can now it now it's a resource that's available. So th again, this transformation, small companies that have never had access to senior experienced level people now do. That's beautiful. And there's a whole lot of people that can sit in on this and learn from all that. Now I'm gonna guess here, and you can say no, Jackson, that's wrong. Here's what it is. The transformation you're talking about, are you talking about fractional leadership? Yes, that's a label that people have put in front of it. Turns out this kind of stuff's been around for a lot longer than that term's been around. Fractional has really become right. the term in the, the last four or five years. Well, you're talking about it coming out as mainstream now. Now it's now the supply and demand is much clearer. So the connection between executives and companies is happening at a faster rate. Is that correct? Yes, and it's it, the rate that what it's it's happening at is the rate at which these small and medium-sized companies become aware of these resources that are available. There's a little bit of a two-piece sell job. You sort of got to get them to understand what's available to them, and then you can talk about what you provide. Um, and and I really bridge that and come at it a little bit differently than some of the fractional people do. In that I just merely say, you know what, I provide operations, leadership, support to small and growing manufacturing companies. So if you're small and growing and you need some ops leadership help, we can call it whatever we want. We can call it fractional. We can call it whatever we want. I'm available and people like me in their disciplines are available in bite-sized pieces that they can afford. I love it, man. And, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on your age. I hope that's okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's something ahead. that I, I mean, it's, it's what, so in marketing, you have a unique selling proposition and there's another term in marketing. Most marketers don't know. And that's the UA, the unfair advantage, right? So for instance, when somebody says, uh, Hey man, like, how do you know this is cancerous? And they go, I'm a doctor. Mic drop, you know, like, I, I okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Right. You know, well, how do you know about operational leadership? You know? 30 years in manufacturing. Yeah, I do this. I go, <laughs> this right here. Right. <laughs> right. The hair color or the brain, one of those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. all about the color. It's all yeah, about it's, the color. <laughs> I do that too now. Oh, it's getting fun. It's, it is. It's our unfair. And so, but here's, here's the key though. There's so many people, Bruce, who are scared to make the plunge or who, are, who aren't aware of this opportunity. So I'm really glad that you called that out because you're right. The opportunity is broader. Yes, on the on the ownership and business side, but if we're calling more people and you're inspiring more people with your depth to come into play here, it's going to be a great thing for the economy and, and for everybody that more people are realizing this is a great opportunity. So when you mentioned resources available, um, do you, want, you mind expanding on that too? What are the resources are you referring to that, that made this possible? The, the people, the people are the resources, the people like me that have stepped into the space and are, are now providing businesses with access 
to us mm. that they didn't have before. And yeah, and where is it going to go in the economy? We're so much at the front end of this thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we even know. But the, 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 the numbers. I, I, I know people that have jumped into LinkedIn and done searches on fractional. And you go back four years ago, and it was maybe in the thousands. And now you go on LinkedIn and you do that, and the number of people that are showing up in that space are literally in the tens of thousands and growing every day. And it's not sure. just here. It's not just this country. It's happening everywhere. I've got people reaching right. out to me from across the pond wanting to talk about fractional workspace. And I'm, I'm a manufacturing ops guy. And so that's an intrigue for them to talk to. This is happening everywhere. This is not a U.S. Yeah. thing. You got a yeah. really great point. I'm, I'm really happy you keyed in on that because I've been kind of hard on the fractional reality lately. Um, kind of speaking, not against it, but dampering the process. Art Hoffman from Cold Click and I had a chat. He wanted me to target fractionals. Um, and so we did that for a little while, um, which is, I think, how you and I got connected. Um, and I, I started to notice a trend, though. And that's that with, with any red ocean, right? And this is becoming a red ocean where there's lots of people involved in the in the opportunity. You then have to learn how to sort the pretenders from the contenders. And so there's a lot of young people, not that that's the only qualifier, but a lot of them have never been an executive in their life. Um, and they've also never been a chief officer. And now they're claiming these titles of fractional chiefs. And uh, so there's, there's, there's a byproduct of that too. There's a lot of companies that are hiring irresponsibly. They don't actually know what a chief is. They bring in a chief by title who has no idea how to work across the sea level plane. And that's just part of the progress. So I, I need to get off my high horse with that. Realize because I was saying fractionals fracture companies. How can they not? They're fractional. That's exactly what happens. But that there's also there, there's room for if I if I could find just people who if I could learn as a business owner, right? As a business if business owners learn to filter and interview properly. Now you're going to end up with fractional execs who actually know what they're doing and actually know how to make moves without having to spend the, the 40 hour work weeks to do so. Fair said, fairly said. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a number of thoughts that run through my mind and, and some of this is, is when, when things catch fire and go fast, crazy stuff happens. Right. And, wow. and, I don't use the term fractional when I talk about myself because it's literally gotten to the point where I don't know who I'm talking to, what, what their understanding is fractional is. They might have zero understanding. They don't even know what it is. Right. So they think they know what it is and they don't, they think it's, it's, it's something different. I mean, I talked to a president of a company and he was talking to me about a director of ops position. And I thought he was talking to me about it in, in the space that I'm in. And I said, well, you know, I'm not interested in W2 work. And he said, that's okay. I'm not interested in fractionals either. And I, so I thought I'd have a little, see where this goes kind of thing. And I said, well, I don't do fraction. He goes, oh, what do you do? And I explained what I do, which is really the, in, in, in the realm of the definition of a fractional. And he found it very intriguing. And so I, I don't know what his definition of Can fractional you give us what that was. What did you say to him? What did I say? I say, I come in and engage with companies wherever they're at in their processes from an operations perspective, try to understand where the problems are, sit down with the leadership of the company, peel back the layers to understand the revenue flow, what's the growth of the company look like, and make sure that what they think are the problems that they that they have are really the problems 
and not symptoms of the real problem. And then we'll, we'll put a plan together around that. It may be that there's already somebody is trying to be an ops leader there. My job is not to come in and displace them. It's to come in and try to enhance them and help them. Arguably, they, they could have got moved into something where the company's grown so fast, they, they don't know what they're doing. And to come in and augment that and, and raise that person. And when I, I went through that kind of an explanation, and when I got done, he goes, that's really intriguing. <laughs> and we continued on and had more conversation. That's why I don't use a fractional. So many people started to, oh, you're an independent whatever you are. You're a fractional. And no. No, they're a, they're a this or they're a that. I know of another guy that he, he suddenly discovered the term fraction. He goes, oh, I guess I have a fractional business. And he started to pile into that. And along the way, him and I had a conversation. And I think he had gotten to the point where, no, there's consultants, there's fractionals, and, and there's contractor project people. And he continued to talk to people. And I watched his postings on LinkedIn. He finally got up to 13 lanes that people can be in in, in an independent state uh, doing something. And he quit counting after that. And, right. and the point is there's a lot of different things people can do independently. But if you're going to put the label fraction on yourself, it's something very specific. And it's this engaging in the company on a part-time basis, so to speak. And you've got to be willing to straddle the strategic with the tactical in that you're going to put the vision and the plan together for them. And then I believe ops uh, leaders have got to be a bit of a visionary, seeing around corners, where is this company heading? What does this operation got to look like? You got to be able to see what others don't. And then you got to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty and get in there with them because these smaller companies just don't have the resources to do that work. And that, I believe, applies to, I don't care if you're in finance or in marketing or, or in operations. This and some of these people just want to be strategy. And I'm like, no, that's more consulting. Nothing wrong with that. But know who you are and know how to present yourself. Well, thanks for geeking out with me on, on what's called the features. Um, you know, and that's, this is a phenomenal lesson for people who need to understand salesmanship and the difference in features and benefits, the difference in pitching somebody and listening to somebody, right? And, and what their needs are, not getting caught up on the, the semantics or the word choice of, of title and things like that. So Bruce, let's dive in to manufacturing operational leadership. What's your vision for those who you serve? I'll start it in the arguably un, uh, assumable that when that company has reached out to me, that, that leader, that CEO, that president has reached out to me and said, you know, we need to connect and have a conversation. My, my first assumption is they got some kind of problem. There's, there's something's going on and they don't know how to fix it. And, and so my, that vision becomes about let's go in, let's make sure, like I said earlier, let's make sure we're really talking about the real problem. And, we, and when we talk about those things, we can both understand it. So we understand where we're starting at. Then we can talk about where do we need to get to? And as we dial that together, the underlying plan becomes, okay, how do I get out of here? My goal is not to come in and stay. My goal is to come in and help them through wherever they're at and to move on. And if they're growing fast enough where they don't have an ops leader, maybe I'm that bridge to when they, you know what, you need to get somebody in here full time now and I'll help you find them because I know, I know what you need. If it's that they've got somebody in there who's trying to live up to it, help them through that assessment of making sure they've got what they think they have there and then help that person um, become what they need to be and then get out of there. 
And, and I help them not just by telling them what they need to do, but it's a coaching and mentoring and doing the work with them. Again, we're back to getting our hands, our hands dirty. And, and it's a little bit like the parent behind the kid on the bike learning to ride the two-wheel. Your hand's on the seat, it's off the seat. It's on the seat, it's off the seat. And all of a sudden, the kid turns around, they're two blocks down the road, and you're way back there. And they go, oh, I guess I know how to do this now. And that's when I leave. Mm. So when do I leave? <laughs> I like that. I like that you articulate that journey really well. So they get to the end of that, that they get to that vision. Now what's life like? For them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're on to, they're on, you know, if it's the point where I left because we hired somebody full time. Yeah. They're in the next chapter of growth. Good luck. And, and I, and, and you send them on their way. If it's that there was somebody there and you're trying to bring them along and elevate them into what they really need to be and, and how that all needs to work in the world of operations then, then I, you know, I, I, I fade out of there and watch them continue on their way. And if maybe they need to bring me back at some other point, because now we're, we're dealing with this kind of thing. So, nice. um, yeah, I, does that answer that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Um, it's, I mean, it gets right down to the nuts and bolts of it. Um, you know, and I, you know, as well as I do, you can, you can paint a, a vivid, beautiful picture with words, but that, that, that outcome is going to look different for everybody. I mean, what they want to do? Do they want to play more golf? Do they want to? Do they want to run their office full time? Do they want to have more balance their family? There's there's lots of realities, but that's the thing is you're not you're not boxing people in. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your vision for you? Maybe box you in a little bit. Um, so, what do you see for yourself on the horizon? Well, I, I you know, this was a growth thing. I didn't have any I didn't have anybody doing what I was doing as I came into this. So I had to go through a process of what does this even look like? And I heard about other fractional people having, you know, four, five, six, seven clients at a time. Well, I figured out when I got the three that that was too many. And, and, I, and, and I coupled that with the kind of lifestyle I was trying to live. Part of why did I get in the business for myself? And I went, it's too many. I can't service all of them. It's too many. It's taken up too much of my time. It's too many. And I had pared that back until I found that sweet spot. Of it's kind of one client at a time, maybe two, and it's sort of a 24, 30 hour a week kind of a of an engagement that ebbs and flows. And that gives me enough time to run and build this business and spend a lot of time doing what I like to do, which is networking with other people and trying to find ways to help them and elevate them. It's just, you know, what do you call that? Pro bono or what you know, you I'm 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 not charging for that mm-hmm. and, and and yet have enough enough personal time. And I finally, have, I think I've found that. The business has done well enough. I've been doing this for almost four years. The business has been doing well enough. I'm able to, you know, when there's no clients, that's okay. Let's breathe. Let's go do some other things, redirect. And now I'm finally at a stage in life. We're back to this again. Mm-hmm. Um, how much more of this do I want to do? And, and what level of engagement do I want? And so it's really, I'm flipping over to that lifestyle side going, what do I want life to look like? And where does this fit into that? And part of what I want it to look like, I want to stay engaged with people out there and helping them. There's so many people trying to start businesses like this that I'm able to help. There's so many people in job transition, particularly at the executive levels, that I'm able to help. There's a lot of things that are the same about those with messaging that you're putting out about yourself and what are you about. And and I want to spend time doing that. And if I can work with a client, you know, a couple of days a week, uh, that income's nice too. And it just keeps augmenting what we're going to do in the, in the next phase. And I think I've, 
I finally found it. People tell me when I talk about it, it said, boy, it seems like you found it. And, and, yes. and I am, I'm so glad I've gone down the path that I've gone. Um, I got asked one time by a person trying to consider this. And I think what he was looking for is the reason why not to go down this path. He said, what's your biggest regret? And I said, biggest regret? He goes, yeah. And I said, I don't even have a regret. That's how good this path has been for me. It's not a path for everybody, just like everything else out there isn't a path for everybody. Not everybody can do what you do, Jackson. That's your path. That's where you found your spot and, and your place. And, and there's a lot of people doing that. Yeah, doing what you do or doing something similar to what you do. Uh, but that's that's their path. I couldn't do what you do. I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat. But um, yep. I end up being on this side of the of the interview process and these sorts of things. So it, well, it's vice versa. Too. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the beautiful factor of... If we could, if we could help the world, if I had one, if I had one massive wish that could occur, it would be that everybody moves into a life of abundance, right? Is to to have the ability to have confidence without being accused of arrogance, to know you're beautiful, without without feeling like you're calling everybody else ugly. Um, yeah. Realize that it's okay that everybody wins. That you don't have to win at somebody else's expense. And that's what you're referring to. And I said, yeah. I, I know what I'm capable of. And well, and, I, and I'm like, as I talk to people that they come to me so spun up on some things and I start to unravel it. And I've had people say, geez, I wish I would have talked to you two years earlier. You would have saved me a lot of time or, or God, I love your brutal, blunt honesty. I tell people, I'm just going to tell you the way I see it from my chair. And if you don't like it, treat it as one man's opinion and on the way out the door, throw it in the trash. I, I'm sorry, that's that's me. But what I try to get people to understand, uh, really look at that that personal side of life. How do you want to live? What do you want to do? And then when you cross over in this spot about, okay, I need some money. I got to generate revenue. Um, where's that? Where's that passion? Where's that stuff that you're really interested in intersect with what you're really good at? Because I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's skiing, skating, doing what you do, do what I do. Somebody's making money at. Yep, that's go correct. find your go find your space, and mm -hmm. and if you can get it defined well enough, you will find there's plenty of people out there that want to help you succeed at that, and they're not going to charge you an arm and a leg to do it. That's right, because that's they, right. they they relish in the fact the lights are coming on for you and you're succeeding and you're moving forward. That's what I've come to experience. I, I I love it. That's why we launched passionpro.org as well. Um, so we've got a we got a whole free program on helping people uncover their passions. Um, and it works for those who it works very well for those who take it seriously. And it doesn't yeah. work for those who don't. Um, you know, and that's okay. Um, you know, you, you know you and, and whether you're willing to be open about those realities or not. Let's dive into a darker area. What's your worst leadership experience ever, Bruce? It's going to be a was, leader that you've been been led by, one that you've seen and, and witnessed on television or or your own experience. I, I've been on the receiving end of some 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 pretty harsh things. I mean, if I go back to early in my career, um, literally, I, I, I don't I don't think I was out of college three or four years. And in the company I was working for, we had a big there was a program that they won and we were going to need to set up 
new manufacturing operations to be able to absorb this and, and make these products. And we needed to do it quickly. And uh, there was a team of three of us and we put this package together and it was going back in the day, it was going to be a few million dollars. So you can imagine what it would be today. And uh, we walked in and met down with the, with the leadership of the company uh, for that division. We sat down and put it all out in front of them and I started to talk about it. And the leader literally said, I don't like the format any of this is in. It's not the format that we're looking for. And he pushed, the, there, was, there was some paper there and he pushed it hard enough that it got just a little airborne. It hit me. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Oh. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm a greenhorn, right? I, this is how business works. Okay, well, we we got through that. We got them what they wanted. We got the project approved, and we moved on. Um, but you 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 remember that as a my God, don't ever be like that, no matter what you do. Right. Later in 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 my career, more recently, with a company I was working on with some lean transformation stuff. Was trying to get the leadership team more engaged with the VPs and everybody, and they were all willing to except the leader of the company. And and we were in his office, and the people were up on the table, and it was everything I need to know about what you're talking about is right over there in that drawer over there. And case closed. Mm. And we were talking about stuff that involved culture transformations and things like that. And and I was like, whoa, there's another, there's another data point. Don't don't be like that. Listen, listen to the people. And I really have tried to become somebody who, the, when I, when I work with a business, there's problems and they need to be solved. And the people that know where the real problems are and what's really broken and not working are the people doing the work. I don't care what their job is. I don't care if it's making widgets on the floor or a, or a buyer in the purchasing department. They know where the problems are. And if we're going to go fix things, we have to go talk to those people. We have to build relationships with those people and, and, and let them know we want to know what they're struggling with. And I want to know what they think we should do about it, no matter how absurd it might seem to me. And we've got to get behind those people and let them drive those solutions. And again, I don't care what kind of business you're in. And empower them. They, they know where the problems are. They've got ideas. Some of those might take the company to the knees. So you might want to go cautiously about how you go about some of the stuff and let them lead it. And I just get behind them and go, let me know where the problems are and I'll go get those out of your way. I love this. So and, and some of that comes from some of that early stuff I ran into where now this is, this is the way it is. <laughs> yep. you know? But here doesn't mean I've been I... perfect at that over my journey. Doesn't mean I haven't stubbed my toe and, bang my head into the wall and stuff, but you try to learn from it and go, okay, what did I do wrong there? So I don't do that again. You know, here's what I learned from my generation though. There's a really valuable truth in this. Um, so that first person who pushed that contract back at you and it, and it hit you, you know, they're fairly, fairly aggressive. Maybe in modern society, we would, we would label them harsher than that. Um, you know, and, and you guys still won the contract. Um, right. Did I understand that correctly? You still brought them on as a client. We had gotten we had gotten the contract to manufacture this stuff. What I was working on was the proposal to management, you know, about what we were going to have to set up for a manufacturing line, how much right. money we were going to spend to do that, and we needed the approval to do that so we could go do what we we're supposed to do. Here's my point: you guys made it work. 
Um, you know, you made it work. You saw the bigger picture. You, you know, in, in modern society, a lot of young leaders want to execute the leader with flaws. You know, it's, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. And there's this finite judgment of like, they offended me. I'm done. Um, you know, they don't speak to me that way. I'm out. Um, you know, and yes. it's, and there's, there, you know, there's, there's a healthy point of like, there's toxic relationships that, you know, should not be, you know, um, engaged with, of course. However, we also run the risk of leaving the entire organization susceptible to far worse misery. If we don't give the leader with flaws grace and, and come in and make a profound impact in areas that improve systematically improves the lives of others. There's a, I think there's a harmonic balance um, in between those two realities that, that you showcased in that particular scenario that again, modern leaders, uh, especially young leaders, or, and I say leaders, I'm talking about the people that were in your positions, the people who are the rookie leaders coming in, they're able to make an impact. And we, we've, you know, if our society opens back up to being more graceful with people's flaws, all ships will rise. Personal opinion. Yeah, I, I think I concur. Well, I know I concur with it. I think I would, I would phrase some of it this way, that maybe back in the day, the pendulum was too far one way. Yeah. And now it's, it's swung way too far the other way. Right. And we got to find that middle where you, you're not going to like what your leader says. Sometimes you're going to disagree with them. Yep. Welcome to life. Um, they're going to use the wrong word to describe. I've done that. I've used a word that meant something to some people that I had no idea it meant that. Had I yep. known that, I wouldn't have said that. Um, I did some real serious fence mending and, and, and pleaded. I've been it. There. I speak yeah. Spanish. It happens to me all the time in the Spanish language. It's yeah. not easy to People are going to do that. And, and we got to find a way to work with that. We're not, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're right. There's times where some, somebody in a leadership role says something and right away. It's behead him. Yeah. Send him to the gallows. He's done. She's done. Yeah. Or does something incredibly human and selfish, right? That's, and we're, we're, we're executing yeah. people for being human. And that's, and, that's and we got to, we got to find, we got to find that middle. We'll win more if we find that middle. I think so. Yeah, so I mean, your I best tell leadership people, experience look like. I was just going to add that I tell people uh, in, in leadership, there's times where you got to be prepared to be the, and it starts with a D. Um, and if you're not willing to be that on occasion, you're not going to make it. Yep. I mean, you don't do that as a habit. You don't do that as routine. But sometimes somebody's got to step up and be the boss, and yep. say, "This is what we're doing." And, and, and then you, then you can step back and now we move forward. It starts um, with the D you got to be willing <laughs> to be a dummy at times. You got to be willing to be the dirt bag at times. Um, you know, I guess you got to be willing to be the difficult leader at times. I got yeah. you. I picked it up. Yeah. Good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Bruce, let's dive into that best leadership experience. What does that look like? What's been the best leadership experience you've you've been in? You know, it 
it, a lot of it centers around probably the last full-time job I had. And, and ultimately, when I came in there, you looked at operations, the manufacturing floor, and it was really chaotic in, in nature. Uh, stuff was going back and forth, inventories all over the place. You, you, you name it, and you could put your finger on it. And, and I was, this vision started to develop about, we, gotta, we have to transform, transform this operation out here. We're not going to get where we need to get to in the efficiencies. And I partnered with the person who was the leader of the supply chain side of the business. They didn't like the way the warehousing was. And so we were going to transform this. And so a, a smaller group of us on leadership talked about how to block the building out in terms of what's the flow going to be. So pork trucks are always moving one direction. We've got those big pieces. And then I turned it over to the production teams and said, your department's going to be over here. Your material is going to come here and it's going to leave there. I need you guys to tell me what that layout, where, where do you want to put what machines? Where do you want to, how do you want to do this? And we turned it over to the production supervisors and the production people, the people that ran the machines to come up with the layouts. And all we did was just coach a little bit. I might challenge them on a couple of things. Ah, I'm not seeing this right. And there would be some tweaks. But really what happened in every department in terms of, and we moved everything over the course of about a year or so. We, we moved, everything was in a new spot. So big machines, everything. And, um, but that was those people coming up with the way that building should be laid out and functioning and they owned it and boy did they help make it work when as we transformed it going forward yeah i, I love that example that yeah i love that I, example i think i got that part that one right <laughs> so well, here's what's really cool um you know the best leadership experience is often um often referred to as the, the best mentor that somebody's had, you know, and, and uh, that's, that's one, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's really cool about your story is you're talking about empowering the people that you're supposed to be serving as the leaders, and they, they leveled up to the, the cause. What's really cool, if you're listening in right now, there's a, there's a campaign that that reminds me of that you can, you can double down and learn even more from. Look up the Domino's Pizza advertisement campaigns. Um, and you're going to have to go through probably several on YouTube. I imagine some have changed, but several years ago, it was almost a decade now, the CEO or president owner came out and said, listen, our pizza downright sucks. It's awful. And we realize it. We've cut corners. We've started using, you know, not non-natural goods. Um, we've destroyed this and, and we're done, you know, being a, a really crappy pizza company. Um, and they start taking pizzas to one star review people's houses and, and, you know, saying, Hey, we want you to try the new pizza. And they made this big turnaround, right? That was step one, step two, those what I'm referring to. And step two, they went to their, their general managers and their workers. And they said, what do you, what do you hate about working at Domino's and what do you want to see happen? And so they did this campaign where they they actually publicized it and they let the general managers take sledgehammers to the actual physical location because that's what they hated most. And they transformed the style of service they were providing from within. Uh, but it was a really neat way to, to kind of do the type of leadership you're talking about and also leverage the ability to rebrand themselves with that opportunity. So thank you for sharing that type of an experience because there's... There are models out there. There's people like you out there who can showcase 
how yeah. to do that effectively. The, the, I'll have to go look that up because I, I, I guess I'm aware of some of that. But as you told it there, they started in the right spot, and that was with VOC, voice of the customer. Let's start there and find out what's wrong with our stuff, and if we're going to change it, what's right about what we think it, it, it should be, and not just a bunch of Domino's folks in the back room going, you know what, here's how we got to make our pizza. Everybody will like this. Let's go out and talk to the customers. And in some, in some regard, in that whole manufacturing transformation I talked about, my customers are those people running those machines. How, how do I help them? Yep. How do I clear their way? How do I take the frustration out of the day when it took them 10 minutes to find the calipers? Because somebody else thought it was better to have two calipers on the floor instead of one at every station. Mm. You know, how do I, how do I, tell me where that stuff is. And, and we'll fix it. And they don't believe you at first. So they give you some of my secrets. I tell entrepreneurs <laughs> your your most overlooked and probably your most important funnel is your recruiting and HR funnel. If you're not if you're not if you're forgetting the value of those that you serve on a daily basis within your own walls, you're not paying attention to their needs. They're going to have a really hard time paying attention to the needs of the rest of the people you're trying to serve outside yep. of your walls. Yep. Um, so, yep, it's uh, uh, both great. And yes, I agree with VOC as well. Um, great, yep. great call. Um, well, with that said, uh, we are a little behind schedule because there was just so many powerful lessons already shared. So for those of you who are listening, I, in fact, I'll give you 30 seconds, Bruce. If you had 30 seconds to share one final powerful lesson with visionaries, what would it be? Here's how I talk about them. When they start their businesses, they, they, they know there's a market for whatever they're stepping into. And they get so busy with that, their head's down and they're going as fast as they can go and they're doing as much as they can do. And all of a sudden they run out of their abilities to keep it going. Too much to do, can't handle it all. It's moving into a new sphere that's beyond where their wheelhouse is. I just, I, 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 I'll say two things. I hope they lift their head up in time to look around and go, oh my God, I need help before they hit the wall. And I, I, I say this with a little bit of jest. We all hear about people that own and run businesses and if they're successful, that is arguably not their first one. That's probably their third one or maybe their fourth one. Right. And I say, I think what happened was on that one that was successful, they picked their head up soon enough. They could get the help they needed before they hit the wall. And I, and I would say to those, to those entrepreneurs, those visionaries in those businesses, the help's available now in this so-called fractional space. The help's available you can afford it. You can get it. It doesn't mean you're a failure because you got to go get help. It just means you're at the next level. Oh. Vision pros, you heard it from Bruce Rolls himself. The landing page will contain all the links that you need to, to reconnect. Don't hesitate to comment um, if you have a question. Like, share this with people. I think it was an awesome, awesome interview. Bruce, thanks for joining us today on Vision Pros Live. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Hope I helped somebody.
Everybody have a fantastic day. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent 